Hey friends, good evening, good morning, good afternoon. Whenever you're watching this or joining us online, I thank you for joining us and I thank you for being a part of the table digitally as we continue to seek the mission and vision that God has placed in our hearts. This Sunday was awesome. We got to join together at the park uh, as we tried to stay socially distant and keep each other healthy and safe uh, during this time of COVID-19 uh, and this new variant. And so I appreciate you guys uh, joining us in person and being safe. And if you're watching online because you're also trying to be as safe as possible, or maybe you're sick, we're praying with you and we love you. Before we get into anything today, let's just pray. God, thank you for today. And thank you for these moments that we get to spend together both in person and digitally and online. God, I just pray that uh, you would speak through me using my words as your own as we open up uh, the book of Exodus again, that we would just continue to expand on what your word says. Amen. Friends, we're continuing in the series of Exodus like we have been, and it's this wonderful story of exile um, to covenant, this, this captivity that, the, that the, the Israelites found themselves in and to the covenant of God. And today, it's kind of exciting because we get to talk through uh, deliverance. And we get to celebrate that with the Israelite people. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 15. And we're going to be pretty much reading through the whole chapter together, uh, going through a few different things. But there's someone that I really want to highlight. I think about this person in this scripture, and it's not really the biggest name that you hear about. It's not um, when you think of biblical heroes or scholars, you don't think about this person. Yet this person was highlighted in a very specific way, and their story is very important to Israel. Uh, maybe think about it in your way through all the, the trials or the, the pain and suffering that, that you have had in your life. Has there been that person that has remained faithful, that has loved God, that has loved his people well, and maybe they didn't get the recognition that they deserved, but you can think about them and you know them. Think about that person. For me, I think about any of my countless, countless Sunday schools teachers. These men and women who week in and week out would show up to church earlier than everyone else after uh, either preparing on the drive-in, right? Sometimes we, we've been there where we prepare the, the Sunday school lesson in as we're driving to church because it's been a busy week. Or maybe they spent some time, you know, around the coffee table getting ready. But they come early and they teach the children about Jesus. And they do it because they love the Lord. And they love teaching the little ones about Jesus. It's kind of how I see this person. Uh, and so let's just jump right into scripture together. Uh, this takes place right after the, the waves of the sea crash upon the, uh, the Egyptian forces as they were continuing to pursue the Israelites. What's interesting here is that after generations of suffering that the Israelites had been found in, they were finally told, not just they weren't given the option to leave, they were told to leave by Pharaoh. He, he, he forced them out of his country. And then he realized, oh goodness, I just let go of this force that I had that did so much work for us. So they pursued them. Like Pastor Alicia talked about last week, he pursued them. 
and it was day in and day out and God did these massive miracles. They finally get to the sea and the Lord uses Moses to part the sea and they get through one side to the other and then the, the sea collapses in on the pursuing Egyptian forces. And so we pick up right after in chapter 15 and it's titled a song of deliverance why don't you uh, read with me i'm going to be reading through this with the new living translation today it says this then moses and the people of israel sang the song of the lord and it goes like this i don't know the tune i can just imagine the passion behind this the voices singing in unison and the harmonies uh, take the greatest worship song maybe that you can think of power and deliverance and and apply it to something that is literally what you went through and that is the israelites here i will sing to the lord for his he has triumphed gloriously he has hurled both, both horse and rider into the sea the Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. This is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. The, the Lord is a warrior. Yahweh is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and army have been hurled into the sea. The finest of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters gushed over them. They sank to the bottom like a stone pretty brutal <laughs> pretty brutal to be a song of praise and deliverance but you got to think how many people of israel were killed were were totally and utterly murdered because of the pharaoh and the people of egypt we think about the beginning of moses's story he's saved as a baby but so many babies were slaughtered under pharaoh's reign and so these people are singing this song, are finally free and are letting all emotion loose. Continues here at verse 6. Your right hand, O Lord, is glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, smashes the enemy. In greatness of your majesty, you overthrow those who will rise against you. You unleash your blazing fury. It consumes them like straw. At the blast of your breath, the waters piled up. The surging waters stood straight up like a wall. In the heart of the sea, the deep waters became hard. The enemy boasted, I will chase them. I will catch them. I will plunder them. I will consume them. I will flash my sword. My powerful hand will destroy them. But you, you blew with your breath and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you among the gods, O Lord, glorious in holiness, awesome in splendor, performing great wonders? You raised your right hand, and the earth swallowed our enemies. With your unfailing love, you lead the people you have redeemed. In your might, you guide them to your sacred home. The people hear and tremble. Anguish grips those who live in Philistia. Your leaders of Edom are terrified. The nobles of Moab tremble. All who live in Canaan melt away, and terror and dread will fall upon them. The power of your arm makes them lifeless as stone until your people pass by. O oh Lord, until the people you purchased pass by, you will bring them and you will plant them on your own 
mountain, the place, O Lord, reserved for your own dwelling, the sanctuary, O Lord, that your hands have established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. When Pharaoh's horses and chariots and, chari and charioteers rushed into the sea, the Lord brought the waters crashing down on them. But the people had, of Israel had walked through the middle of the sea onto dry ground. I can just feel it in the words, the people's hearts that cried for mercy and were finally given peace. They prayed and they called out and, and there were moments where they fell and there were moments when they doubted, but they continued to turn their face to the Lord and he granted them this freedom. And I can just see the people on the other side of the river dancing and praising the Lord with these words. And, and I could sit and I could talk about this, this praise of this song of deliverance and just make it all happy daisy and roses. I really could, especially in these days that are so hard. I, I think if we want, we could easily ask God to do the same thing to COVID that, that he did to the, to the people of Egypt in this story, that he could remove it. He could let the people of the Lord walk through it and destroy the disease that is killing and hurting so many people. But I'm not sure I want to do that. In fact, like I was saying at the beginning, I want to highlight someone. Here in verse 20, let's just read it real quickly. Verse 20 through 22, it says, or 21, it says this. Then Miriam, the prophet, Aaron's sister, took the tambourine and led all of the women as they played their tambourines and danced. And Miriam sang this song, sing to the Lord for his tri he has triumphed gloriously. He has hurled both horse and rider into the sea. And I can just see it. It's an echo. It's a continuation. Sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. He has hurled both horse and rider into the sea. I want to pause here for a minute and focus on this person. It says Miriam the prophet. But like I opened Maybe it's Miriam, the Sunday school teacher, the person who was faithful her whole life, who has taught and brought up the next generation. What's interesting here is as, as I was preparing, I read through our commentaries that we work through. And what's interesting here is that this is the first time that Miriam is referred to by name and is called a prophet, not just a Sunday school teacher. Maybe I'm not doing her justice by the comparison there, but she is called a prophet. This person that is high and exalted. We think about other prophets throughout scripture. Jonah, <laughs> these, these people who, who have books written about them in the Bible. And we hear about these stories. And yet this, there's just here two verses that talk about Miriam the prophet as she led the people in song and dance. 
But what's more interesting here, and what I found is so unique, I'm just going to read it as I wrote, as it was from the commentary, from new, the New Beacon Bible commentary. It says this, that we can believe that even at a young age, Miriam's prophetic wisdom and fortitude guided her to ask pointed questions. The reason that we can that we can believe that, that we can start to assume that, is because this Miriam, the Miriam the prophet, is more than likely the same Miriam who was there at the very beginning of Moses' story. That when, when Moses' family placed him in that wicker basket and sent him down the river, Miriam was the one who walked alongside to make sure that it didn't topple over, that walked alongside and found the princess. Pharaoh's own daughter who had found this babe laying inside the basket. And when she found him, this young girl approaches her from the reeds and begins to talk about this babe and that she knows a woman, Moses' own mother, that she can be the wet nurse for this baby. And it is assumed here that because of her prophetic wisdom and her fortitude, even at a young age, that it guided her to ask pointed questions to the young and unsuspecting princess to hire Moses' own mother as a paid, not just to hire her as a slave, but as a paid wet nurse. What's interesting here is that Miriam would probably be about 14 years Moses' senior so when we jump to this part that is showing Miriam the prophet dancing and singing with the tambourine, she would possibly be around 95 years old. And even in that age, she rises in joy and in strength with the tambourine in hand, leading all of the women in joyful song and dance. Her whole life, she has been following the Lord. From the moment that, that Moses was born to where he is now leading his people through the river, she was there. She was faithful and she is given, granted this title of prophet. She's not just Miriam, Aaron's sister. She's not just Miriam, the tambourine, playing crazy lady. Because she's not crazy. She's faithful. She is faithful to the Lord, and she shows it in her song and dance, even at her old age. I can't help but be excited about that, because even here in Exodus, the second book of the Bible, God is giving women a place alongside men. There is not this hierarchy that shows that all of us need to submit to just men, that all of us just need to listen to the Moseses in our life, but that this woman, Miriam, was faithful and she led the people. She was a prophet. And the reason that's important to me, friends, is I'm not just some hippie that wants to bring in this new thought, but my mom is a pastor. My aunt is a pastor. My grandmother has been a, a strong pillar of faith within my family. 
And I tell you today confidently that I would not be in this place of ministry if it was not for women who were faithful to the Lord. And so I'm so thankful. And that's why I'm thankful to have Pastor Alicia on our team and to let her voice be heard. And I'd love to learn from her. So mom, if you're watching this, thanks. I appreciate you. And ladies, if you're watching this, God has a plan for you. Let's continue. Because again, I probably could talk about that the entire time, but this scripture continues after verse 21. And what's interesting here is that it talks about this bitter water. And I can't help but think this is just a few days later. The Israelites have, have sat here and have praised the Lord in song and dance. They have been delivered from Pharaoh. And there becomes this bitter water. These people, they gather together and they get to this point where, and I understand, I've lived in the desert now and here in Arizona and of course a house with instant tap water, but I've lived in a desert where I understand the heat exhaustion that comes with just a few hours in the sun. And so I can see they've run out of water. They've continued their journey and they are thirsty. God provide. You've done so much. Can you just make it rain? And they don't. It doesn't rain. But then they find this watering hole. And immediately I can picture it in my mind. These people run to the water and begin to drink. And it is bitter and sour and gross. And the people of God turn against Moses again. It says this, that instead of taking the blessings that God has given them up to this point, the freedom that they have returned to, they again turn and complain and turn against Moses when they struggle to find clean drinking water. They turn to him and they, they turn against him and say, look what you've done. You've brought us out of all of this horrible slavery and death. And now we don't have water. It would be better to just be in slavery again. But no, that is not the truth, friends. When God delivers, delivers us from our sinful nature, it is not good to say, God, it's getting hard, so it would just be better if I started to sin all the time again, because at least when I sin, things seem to be okay. That's not what God wants for us, and that's not what Moses wanted for his people. And God, again, comes and rescues the people. God still provides. God is still with the people. This is important, friends. God is still with his people even when their faith is small. Even when their faith is small. That gives me hope because I tell you, friends, there have been many days that my faith has been very small small as a mustard seed, that I turn and I look and I have no faith for what's happening next. I don't know why God is having me in these situations. The water that is around me is bitter. And God is still there. And God still loves you. God still loved his people. God still loves you. 
You might have lost faith this year, friends. This last year was hard. These last two years have been hard. But friends, I want to encourage you that even that small amount of faith can move mountains. Might you go forth in that faith, even if it's small. And even when things are hard, and even when things are not going your way, believe and trust that God will provide. Because what happens is God speaks to Moses and he finds this piece of wood. And he takes the wood and places it into the water and it makes it pure and drinkable. And the people of God, the Israelites, are able to drink and their thirst is quenched. And I think about it in the bitterness of your life and the pain that you might be going through. My God, place the branch of you whatever that may be into your life, into the bitterness of the pond that you might be in, so that the waters become sweet, that they will rescue you and provide you strength. Believe and know that God will continue and he will continue to be there for you and your family, even in the midst of a drought even in the dry seasons, even in the pain and the things that don't make sense, God is still there and God still loves you. And what's beautiful, friends, is that I think so often it's not the large prophets or the Moseses that do the greatest work, but it's the Miriams. It's the Sunday school teachers. It's the people who are faithful and committed and who show up week in and week out and give and sacrifice and love the little children because Jesus Christ loved them first. So I challenge you. Will you go this week and love your neighbor? Will you go this week and love your family? Will you go this week and even with the smallest faith, faith that you might have and believe that Jesus is Lord and that there is room for you at the table? Friends, we're going to end with communion here at our time. And I'm so thankful to have that. And so if you want to join us in this communion, I, I, I want to bless your moment of Eucharist, that the body was broken and, and the blood poured out in the remission of sins for you. If you're sitting there thinking, I don't know what is next, I, I don't know what I believe, believe this, you are loved. Friends, go in peace and know that you are loved. Lord God, thank you for today. Thank you for each and every breath that you give us. God, I pray that you would just provide us with an overwhelming sense of peace tonight, today, whenever we're watching this, that it would wrap us like a blanket in a cold night and that we would know that we are loved by you. And God, I pray that you would spur the community and that there would be Miriams who rise up around each and every person here and that we can begin to see and acknowledge even the smallest of things that are being done for your kingdom. 
God continue to catalyze and burn within us the mission and vision of the table. We love you so much, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. We'll see you next time.